bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, November 27, 2012. Today, I'm headed to the state of Ohio, where tomorrow, Wednesday, I'll be speaking at the 14th Annual Ohio Housing Conference. I'll be speaking in the federal plenary session, where I'll be joined by others, and we'll be discussing the impact what's happening in Washington, D.C. is likely to have on the rest of the nation, as well as the state of Ohio. The conference is co-sponsored by Housing Housing Finance Agency and Ohio Capital Corporation for Housing. The theme of the conference is, Together We Are, Constructing, Investing, and Financing. From there, I'm going to head to Las Vegas to attend and speak at the Novogratik Loan Housing Tax Credit Conference. This conference is being co-hosted by the law firm SNR Denton. At the conference, I'll be speaking on the Washington Wire panel, along with David Gasson from Boston Capital and Rick Goldstein from Nixon Peabody. Our Las Vegas conference includes panels on the current state of the debt market, the current state of the equity market, year 15 issues, combining loan housing tax credit with HUD financing, as well as some of the ways to structure a successful partnership. There's also other panels and other topics. I'd encourage you to join us in Las Vegas. It's not too late to register. But let's get back to the podcast. I'm going to begin this week's podcast with a discussion as to how the fiscal cliff and possible solutions may affect the timing of the next tax season, as well as give you some additional updates on the status of the fiscal cliff negotiations. In this week's historic tax credit section, I'll discuss Senator Charles Schumer's announcement last week of a two-part plan to encourage developers to invest in underused historic buildings. One prong of the plan is passage of the Creating American Prosperity Through Preservation Act, or CAP Act. And in our new markets tax credit discussion, I'll address the second prong of Senator Schumer's plan, which is, you probably guessed it, an extension of the new market tax credit. Also, in our New Market Tax Credit section, I'll discuss a letter that was sent last week to congressional leaders urging an extension of the New Market Tax Credit. This letter was co-signed by a group of public charter school advocates. In our Low Income Housing Tax Credit segment, I'll share an update from HUD about the fiscal year 2013 fair market rents for the small area FMR demonstration program. And finally, in our Renewable Energy discussion, I'll share the findings of two recent reports. The first looks at the renewable energy job market, and the second details state renewable energy efforts, including a high-level summary of each state's policies and tax incentive programs. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, Congress returns to session this week, both the House and the Senate. And there are reports that not much progress has been made on addressing the fiscal cliff. There's also reports that Speaker John Boehner and President Obama did speak on Saturday as a way to continue and move the discussions along. There's also conflicting reports as to whether or not there'll be a meeting among key negotiators and the president later this week. That said, there are numerous discussions continuing, and we all await the outcome. 
And as we do await the outcome on the budget and tax issues related to the fiscal cliff, I wanted to share with listeners an item about how the timing of these talks could affect tax season in 2013 and possibly beyond. Earlier this month, Acting IRS Commissioner Stephen Miller sent a letter to lawmakers warning that if Congress doesn't reach agreement soon, tax season could be delayed for up to a month in 2013. Commissioner Miller's letter was sent on November 13th to the leaders of the House Ways and Means Committee and the Senate Finance Committee, which listeners may recall are the tax writing committees in the House and in the Senate. In his letter, Commissioner Miller cites the AMT patch as the most complex issue that could affect the filing season in the short term, and recalls the similar process that Congress faced in 2010. In that case, Congress enacted legislation in mid-December 2010 that extended numerous provisions retroactively. As a result, he wrote, the IRS made the necessary changes to its forms and systems, most importantly probably the computer systems, and they delayed the opening of the 2011 filing season by four weeks, and it affected approximately 9 million taxpayers. In his letter, Commissioner Miller predicts that if the IRS were presented with a similar scenario of late enactment of tax extenders, then there would be a similar outcome. He also warned that the expiring tax provisions have added uncertainty for the upcoming tax season. His letter says, and I quote here, This year has been particularly challenging due to several unresolved tax issues. When Congress takes action well after this planning process is underway, there is potential for substantial disruption to the filing season ahead. Close quote. Now, as negotiations continue, I will provide updates in future podcasts as well as on my blog and through my Twitter feed. So please stay tuned and sign on. And if you have any questions about how these delays could affect you and, more importantly, your projects or your organization, please contact a Novogratic office near you. You can also send an email to cpas at novaco.com with your question. In historic tax credit news, last week, Senator Charles Schumer announced a two-pronged plan to encourage developers to renovate underutilized historic buildings. Senator Schumer announced his support for extending the new market tax credit, which I'll discuss more in a moment as well as he announced his support of the Creating American Prosperity Through Preservation Act, or the CAP Act. As regular listeners may recall, the CAP Act would make five significant changes to the federal historic tax credit. These changes include helping smaller projects by boosting the 20% credit to 30% for transactions of less than $7.5 million in qualified rehabilitation expenditures, and promoting energy efficiency by granting a 2% credit boost for achieving energy use savings at least 30% greater than established industry standards for similar buildings. Another provision would eliminate federal taxation on the proceeds of a state historic tax credit transaction for both state credit certificate sales and credits allocated through partnerships. This change is intended to address concerns raised by the Fourth Circuit decision and the Virginia historic state tax credit case. The CAP Act would also index the eligibility date for the 10% non-historic rehabilitation credit, thereby expanding the pool of properties that would qualify for the historic tax credit. Finally, the CAP Act would allow not-for-profit organizations to access the credit. Since 1978, 
federal tax incentives for historic preservation have created more than 2 million jobs and leveraged more than $90 billion in private sector investment. Supporters say the CAP Act is important because it would expand the number of properties that qualify for the credit. Also, by opening the door to nonprofit project sponsors, or at least more easily opening the door to nonprofit project sponsors and building tenants, the Act would target the historic tax credit to impact low income communities. The combination of the changes provided in the Act would result in more powerful federal historic tax credit and stronger, more effective state historic tax credits. Senator Schumer is currently one of six co-sponsors of the CAP Act. That's six co-sponsors in the Senate. The companion bill in the House has 49 co-sponsors, both of these measurements at the time of this recording. In his statement last week, Senator Schumer said, and I quote, We have seen the tremendous impact these programs have already had. By extending the new market tax credit and expanding the historic tax credit, we can continue to build on that success. Senator Schumer went on to pledge that this effort will be a top priority before year's end. Now let's turn to the National Historic Preservation Act. The National Historic Preservation Act will turn 50 in 2016, and the National Trust for Historic Preservation is collecting ideas for how to celebrate. In 1966, the National Register of Historic Places, the list of national landmarks, and the State Historic Preservation Offices were created by this act. Also reaching a major milestone in 2016 is the National Park Service. It will be celebrating its 100th anniversary. The National Trust says the shared anniversary could provide a chance to demonstrate the connection between preserving both the natural and cultural heritage of the nation. You can submit your idea for how to commemorate the National Historic Preservation Act online at www.preservationnation.org. Or, for an informal discussion and brainstorming session, you can visit the National Trust LinkedIn group. In new market tax credit news, piggybacking on our topic from the historic tax credit segment, Senator Schumer from New York last week announced his support for extending the new market tax credit as part of his two-pronged plan to encourage developers to renovate underutilized historic buildings. I note Senator Schumer is on the Senate Finance Committee, the Tax Writing Committee in the Senate. Senator Schumer described the need to extend the new market tax credit as, quote, urgent. His statement said that as Congress begins to put together an end-of-year tax extender package, Senator Schumer has highlighted the new market tax credit program as one of his top priorities. Last week, Buffalo Business First reported, quote, Schumer said he'd like to see the new market tax credit extended for a long period of time, preferably at least 10 years, or even made permanent. Close quote. We like hearing that. In related news, last week, a group of advocates for public charter schools across the country sent a letter to congressional leaders that urged them to extend the new market tax credit. They wrote in the letter that the tax credit has generated vital private investment to finance affordable facilities for public charter schools. It also has created teaching jobs and provided new educational opportunities in economically distressed communities. The letter reports that approximately 260 new markets tax credit investments, totaling more than $1.15 billion, have supported academic space 
for 125 public charter schools in 21 states and the District of Columbia. The group explains that charter school operators often note the barriers to accessing affordable and suitable facilities. On average, a student attending a public charter school receives 78% of the public funds that they would receive if they attended a traditional public school. In turn, public charter schools, already operating on tight margins, must use a significant portion of their operating dollars for facilities costs. They say that new market tax credit enables community development entities, CDEs, to raise private capital to acquire, construct, renovate, or lease academic facilities in partnership with charter school operators, thereby alleviating the aforementioned financing burdens. In particular, the letter notes that the seven-year structure of the tax credit is an ideal fit for charter school facility financing because it allows charter schools to significantly reduce their debt service in the critical early years of operation. The group also reports that demand for public charter schools is at an all-time high. Now, according to the letter, more than 2 million students attend approximately 5,600 charter schools and more than 610,000 additional students are on waiting lists nationwide. A copy of this letter and links information about New Market Tax Credit Extension legislation can be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com. In local housing tax credit news, last week HUD released the final fiscal year 2013 fair market rents for the small area FMR demonstration program. The demonstration program is designed to test small area FMRs to better understand the programmatic impacts of changing the way housing choice voucher payment standards are set. At the end of the demonstration, HUD will evaluate it to determine the project's effectiveness in meeting the primary goal of improving tenants' housing choices. The agency will also assess the demonstration's impact on tenants in areas where the small area FMRs are below the metropolitan-wide FMRs. Only the five public housing authorities that have agreed to participate in the demonstration program are authorized to use these small area FMRs. Those agencies are the Chattanooga Housing Authority in Tennessee, the Housing Authority of the City of Laredo in Texas, the Housing Authority of the City of Long Beach in California, the Housing Authority of the County of Cook in Illinois, and the Town of Memoronic Public Housing Agency in New York. The small area FMRs have an effective date of October 1, 2012, and they're subject to the same rules and regulations that govern the use of all other FMRs. You can find the 2013 small area FMRs online at www.taxcredithousing.com. Also, one quick note, there was an IRS public hearing scheduled on utility allowances for long housing projects for November 27th. That hearing is canceled. It was canceled because no one requested an opportunity to speak at the public hearing. The public comment period for the regulations expired on October 9, 2012. In next week's podcast, I'll show a little bit more about what comments the IRS did receive in anticipation of issuing regulations in this area. In Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, more than 10,800 jobs were announced in the clean energy sector and related industries in the third quarter of this year, 
This information according to the analysis provided by environmental entrepreneurs. The top 10 green job states in the third quarter of 2012, according to environmental entrepreneurs, were, and this is in order, and it's probably not going to be too much of a surprise, largest state in the country, California, number one, New York, number two, Oregon, three, Washington, four, New Mexico, five, Texas, six, North Carolina, seven, Minnesota, eight, Illinois, nine, and Nevada, number 10. The group notes that third quarter job growth was dramatically less than in the previous two quarters of this year. I think you can guess what probably led to that slowdown. The report suggests that the slowdown is a result of the uncertainty over policies such as the WEN production tax credit. You can find the report online at www.e2.org. Turning to another report, the American Council on Renewable Energy, ACOR, on November 2nd, released its 2012 edition of Renewable Energy in the, in the 50 States. The annual report summarizes the status of renewable energy implementation on the state level. The report provides a huge amount of detailed information for each state, including a high-level summary of each state's policies and tax incentive programs. Now, while there's way too much information to cover in one podcast segment, I would like to highlight a few states. For instance, Arizona had an installed renewable energy capacity of more than 3,200 megawatts as of December 31, 2011, and projects had received more than $49 million through the Section 1603 cash grant program. California had a whopping 19,745 megawatts of capacity at the end of last year and had received $2.2 billion in Section 1603 funds. Hawaii, in turn, doubled the number of solar power installations in 2011, adding more than 40 megawatts of commercial and residential systems. Illinois had more than 2,740 megawatts of installed wind power capacity. Going to Louisiana, Louisiana had 366 megawatts of biomass power installed at the end of 2011. Let's look at Vermont. Vermont offers a 24% investment tax credit for the Vermont property portion of the Federal Business Energy Tax Credit for the installation of renewable energy properties that between 2011 and 2016. And then looking at Washington, Washington had nearly 24,000 megawatts of capacity installed as of December 31, 2011. That 24,000 megawatts included 2,573 megawatts of wind capacity. Projects in the state received more than $573 million from the Section 1603 program. You can access the report in full on ACOR's website at www.acor.org. In addition to providing information about projects in your state, it could also provide insight in the state-level incentive programs that you may not be aware of, so I'd encourage you to look at the report. Novigrad and Company, as you know, is very active in the renewable energy industry. So as always, if you have any questions about any of the programs mentioned in this report, please contact Stephen Tracy in our San Francisco office, he can be reached at 415-356-8000 or Tony Grapponi in our Boston office at 617-330-1920. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. I'll give you more details on negotiations with the fiscal cleft. We do expect some developments this week. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archive discussions are available online at www.novoco.com slash podcast or by subscribing to the Novogratik Report on tax credits and iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with 13 offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.